Chapter Two, Part One of Rocks and Their Origins by Grenville A. J. Cole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Limestones, Part One. Introduction. The term limestone covers, by common consent, rocks consisting mainly of calcium carbonate. Dolomite, properly dolomite rock, in which half or nearly half of the molecules consist of magnesium carbonate, is, however, generally included. The convenience of limestones as building materials has given them a worldwide interest. Their stratified and jointed structure appealed to the early Egyptian architect when he sought blocks for his pyramids. The ease with which limestones could be carved, combined with a reasonable resistance to decay, gave them a preeminence with the designers of our rich cathedrals. The Romans found in the stained and altered varieties color schemes for basilicas and baths, and their luxurious taste in limestone has been inherited by the modern builders of hotels. The rock suffers, however, from its solubility in water containing even a mild acid. In the gases dissolved by rainwater from the atmosphere, carbon dioxide assumes a far larger proportion than that which it possesses in the air itself. The surface of limestone slabs becomes, in consequence, pitted and corroded by every rain that falls. The sulfuric acid in the air of modern coal-consuming cities is, however, still more deadly in its action. J. A. Howe, in his recent work on building stones, is of opinion that limestone is unsuitable for towns. Limestones may broadly be recognized by their solubility in cold dilute acids, with brisk evolution of carbon dioxide. Dolomitic varieties require hot acid for brisk action. Limestones divide themselves into types produced by chemical precipitation, and those due to the accumulation of the hard parts of organisms, but in many of the latter types chemical precipitation also plays a part. Organic action, moreover, frequently promotes the deposition of the chemical types. Detrital limestones, that is, limestones formed from the debris of older ones, are comparatively unimportant. They occur in certain zones of the chalk and of the carboniferous limestone in our islands, and record the breaking up in shallow water of beds that had already become consolidated. The Miocene Nagelfle conglomerates on the north side of the Swiss Alps are often formed of pebbles of the far older Mesozoic limestones. Similar conglomerates, cemented by calcium carbonate, are now being formed in the river beds of the limestone karstland of Herzegovina. Limestone, however, as a rule, goes to pieces before the buffeting sustained by mixed rocks on a shore. Even if it survives for a time in gravels, percolating waters ultimately dissolve it, and only a porous skeleton, formed of its impurities, remains. Limestones deposited from solution. Though calcium carbonate is far less soluble than calcium sulfate, large quantities are carried invisibly, owing to the presence of carbon dioxide, in river waters, and thus accumulate in inland seas that have no outlet except by evaporation. Here calcareous tufa may be deposited as a crust upon the shores and on the growing islets, as the water shrinks away, and before the more soluble gypsum and rock salt can separate out. Hot springs of volcanic origin, like the sprudel of Carlsbad in Bohemia, may deposit calcium carbonate as the water cools and is relieved from pressure. At Carlsbad, little grains of granite, or of the minerals of granite, serve as centers, and encrusting layers are formed round them until pea-like bodies are produced. These become cemented together, giving rise to the well-known freshwater piezolytic limestone or rose stone. On the shores of the Great Salt Lake of Utah, Calcareous tufa occurs also in the form of grains resembling little eggs. These are the oolitic grains that were first known as constituents of fossil limestones. 
the calcium carbonate of oolitic grains at Carlsbad, from the Great Salt Lake and from the sea, is deposited in a form that gives the reaction of aragonite when boiled in cobalt nitrate. W. A. Herdman, Presidential Address of the British Association in 1920, has emphasized the part played by the bacillus calcis of C. H. Drew in precipitating small lumps of calcium carbonate from the destruction of nitrates and nitrites in seawater. Travertine is a tufa laid down on twigs and other vegetation, where springs emerge laden with calcium carbonate. In a massive form, it builds tufa basins, as in the mammoth hot springs of the Yellowstone Park. Both here and at Carlsbad, it appears that vegetation of humble type, multiplying under warm conditions, materially assists the deposit by withdrawing carbon dioxide from the water. The unstable calcium bicarbonate is thus converted into the carbonate, which is thrown down as a quickly increasing crust. Among the limestone regions of the Dinaric Alps, calcareous tufas or travertines, laid down by ordinary streams, form massive beds that tend to choke the hollows of the hills. The basin of Jassi in Bosnia is thus partially filled up, and the town is built on materials brought in solution from the mountains. The modern waters are still adding to this deposit, and Father Katzer has pointed out that the falls of the Pliva are prevented from cutting their way down to the level of the Verbas ravine into which they plunge by the mass of tufa which they build up in their own course another type of limestone deposited from solution is of considerable interest in arid lands or lands with only a seasonal rainfall where evaporation goes on steadily at the surface while water is brought up by capillary action from below calcium carbonate may form a cement to the soil or to the crumbling rock near the surface and a solid calc tufa may arise by continued transference of matter in solution from lower levels. In the Cape of Good Hope, such formations are conspicuous. In a careful series of experiments, G. Link showed in 1903 that seawater at 17 degrees centigrade can only hold 0.191% of calcium carbonate in solution. Though this quantity is not realized in the open ocean, yet near shores, rivers may bring down an excess. The Thames, though flowing for a long distance over a limestone area, contains only 0.0116% of calcium carbonate, but springs traversing limestone often carry 0.03%, or ten times as much as that found in ordinary seas. Hence, a precipitation of calcium carbonate from the bicarbonate state may take place not far from land. The mineral deposited is calcite in temperate climates, and aragonite under warm tropical conditions. That such a precipitation actually occurs is proved by the massive grey limestones containing modern shells, which have been recorded for our islands from the sea floor off the Isle of Man and off the coast of Mayo. In the case of the Irish Channel, the excess of calcium carbonate may be supplied by springs rising through the glacial gravels, which contain abundant pebbles of limestone. Ammonium carbonate, again, derived from the decay of organisms, or sodium carbonate, will precipitate calcium carbonate as aragonite from the calcium sulfate and chloride, but not from the calcium bicarbonate of salt water. Films of aragonite are at present accumulating by this process on the floor of the Black Sea, and marine oolitic grains, also consisting of aragonite, are produced by the same reaction. In the case of the oolitic grains, deposition is no doubt helped by evaporation, since they seem to arise in shallow waters. The oolitic limestones that have proved so admirable as building stones whether from the quarries of Caen or Portland, are cemented representatives of the loose deposits formed in modern tropical seas. 
the labesh long ago compared their grains with those from west indian coral reefs these small egg-like bodies develop round fragments of foraminiferal and other shells round the ossicles of echinoderms and round broken bits of coral at first they have the general form of the nucleus but as they are rolled by the waves during their growth they become more and more spheroidal as they enlarge boring algae make tubular passages in them and these have led to the view that algae of thread-like form actually originate oolitic structure dalter link and others conclude with much reason that the mode of deposition is inorganic when the grains are unusually large they are often flattened and irregular as in the marine pisolites or pea grits for building purposes the fine-grained oolites without large fossils are much sought after since they can be trimmed equally in any desired direction before leaving the question of the inorganic deposition of limestone we may note that r a daly has suggested that the precambrian and early cambrian limestones were entirely products of chemical precipitation he believes that the continental areas were at first relatively small and that the abundance of decaying soft-bodied organisms on the sea floor led to a continuous precipitation of such calcium carbonate as was available hence the ocean was limeless and it was only when continental land became more extended that a sufficient quantity of lime salts was brought in by rivers to counterbalance that thrown down by ammonium carbonate and sodium carbonate on the sea floor daly urges that on this account the earlier organisms could not form calcareous shells or skeletons and he also believes that precambrian and cambrian limestones even when unaltered show no signs of having originated from fragmental organic remains link's researches see page seventeen show that limestones thus precipitated must have originally consisted of aragonite limestones formed of organic remains these limestones present an immense variety according to the nature of the originating organisms and the amount of foreign material brought down into the water where they accumulated the calcareous remains of chara may form a white deposit on the floors of freshwater lakes the part played by calcareous algae in the formation of marine limestones has long been recognized but the detailed exploration in nineteen o four of the atoll of funafuti in the pacific showed that halimeda may be responsible for a considerable portion of an ordinary coral reef lithothaminium occurs in immense quantities associated with molluscan remains near many shores nodules of limestone cryptozoan etc have been ascribed to algae in early paleozoic and even huronian strata animal not vegetable activity however is responsible for the majority of our limestones and the humbler organisms by reason of their abundance play a prominent part in rock formation analogies between the globigerina ooze of deep waters and the groundwork of the soft white limestone known as chalk have been freely pointed out early in the nineteenth century ehrenberg in a series of researches with the microscope proved the organic origin of the compact ground of marine limestones the occurrence of foraminifera from the shore outwards to truly oceanic waters provides a fine-grained calcareous material which forms deposits at very various depths the milioline types often with a surface like that of glazed porcelain are common in the sandy beds formed near a coast few rocks are more fascinating under the microscope than those in which such types are seen in section associated with detrital grains of quartz washed down from the land and perhaps with bright green grains of the marine mineral glauconite in ireland white chalks occur speckled throughout with glauconite which looks dark in the rock mass but which reveals its green tint when streaked out by the hammer when formed still farther from land 
pure chalk arises from the consolidation of foraminiferal ooze, and the probable depth in which it accumulated must be judged from the nature of the associated organisms. A white limestone may, however, arise in a comparatively shallow sea, where the rivers bring down little solid matter from the land. A coast formed of pure limestone, with clear streams flowing from a land of similar rock behind, may allow for the development of pure limestone on its shores. It is generally agreed that the upper chalk of the British Isles and of northern France was laid down in water one thousand fathoms or more in depth, yet the corresponding white limestone of northern Ireland in places follows rapidly on conglomeratic and glauconitic deposits, and seems to owe its purity to the comparative absence of rain and rivers on the highland of crystalline rocks which stretched westward from its shore. There are two epochs of the earth's history in which foraminifera were remarkable for their size as well as their abundance. The first gave us the grey fusilina limestone of upper carboniferous times, when this spindle-shaped shell spread freely from the United States through the Arctic regions to the east of Asia. The second gave us, in the Eocene period, the great beds formed of nummulites and allied forms, which we meet with in Europe on the lake of Thun but which are far more important in Lower Egypt. The disc-like forms of the nummulites in the white limestone of the pyramids are familiar to hundreds of travelers, and forms are recorded up to four and a half inches across. The foraminiferal origin of many compact limestones can often be appreciated on smooth surfaces with a pocket lens. The older examples have commonly become stained and darkened, and crystallization of calcite throughout the ground has in part destroyed the original organic structures. This tendency to crystallize affects even the larger fossils, and brachiopods and mollusks have sometimes disappeared from our carboniferous limestones without the intervention of metamorphic heat or pressure. In most limestones older than the Eocene period, the shells and other fossils, such as corals, that were originally formed of aragonite, have passed into the calcite state, without the destruction of their characteristic shapes. Shells, however, have been found, still preserved as aragonite, in beds as old as the Jurassic period. The lamellibranchs, the ordinary bivalves, come into prominence as limestone builders with the Carboniferous period, and are now rivaled only by the univalve gastropods, which displayed no widespread activity until Eocene times. The most massive existing shell, however, is a lamellibranch, the giant tridacna of Australian seas, a single valve of which may weigh 250 pounds. The cephalopods, although lying far nearer to the crown of molluscan development, became important from the Silurian orthoceras onward, and nautiloids of various forms are common fossils in the Carboniferous limestone. Their large size attracts attention from our present point of view. The cephalopods, however, swell the bulk of many limestones, not by the thickness of their shells, but through their chambered character, which has prevented complete infilling of the shell, and which thus allows of cavities in the mass. This is notably the case with the ammonites, which contribute so largely to Jurassic limestones. Crystalline calcite has often been deposited by infiltration on the septa and on the inner layer of the shell, thus reducing the hollow spaces. The massive calcite guards of the belemnites form a considerable part of many limestones. Even freshwater lakes possess molluscan deposits, producing a white limestone of their own. Where streams flow over pure, pre-existing limestone, there is no alluvial mud to choke the basins. In the hard lake waters, gastropods such as limnea and planorbis and a few bivalves can then flourish freely, 
and a shell marl accumulates at the bottom, unmixed with sediment. Limestone of this type is conspicuous in hollows in the Dinaric Alps, which were once occupied by lakes, and is often found beneath peat in the limestone lowland of central Ireland. In older days, two groups of organisms, now relatively unimportant, had a powerful place. The brachiopods, including in early Paleozoic times an interesting series of thin shells largely composed of calcium phosphate, were for long the predominant shell-bearing organisms. The stout Spiriferidae and the well-known Productus giganteus of the Carboniferous period illustrate their dominance. The group became much restricted in variety in Jurassic times, but even the Terebratula and Rinconella occurred so abundantly that they now fall out of many rock faces like pebbles from a loose conglomerate. The sea lilies have similarly lost their place as limestone builders, though their ossicles, notably from their stems, furnish crinoidal or encrinital masses from Silurian to Carboniferous times. The broken portions of their stems, resembling tubes of tobacco pipes, are conspicuous when they are weathered out on rock surfaces or revealed in polished slabs of marble. The fact that each joint or ossicle, as is the universal case in the Echinodermata, consists of a single crystal of calcite, causes the fragments to break with the characteristic cleavage of that mineral. The smooth glancing surfaces thus seen on fractured specimens readily call attention to them in a rock. Those humble colonial organisms, the compound corals, have so special a place as limestone formers that they have been reserved for more detailed treatment. The accumulation of their skeletons and the fact that they may form large continuous masses by their very mode of growth promotes the formation of solid rock at an unusual rate. Von Richthofen long ago pointed out how foraminifera and other drifted material became caught in the interstices of coral producing even a stratified structure in the hollows of a reef, and subsequent research has shown the composite character of reefs in various portions of the tropic seas. Calcareous algae, as already remarked, and the massive and often encrusting skeletons of hydrozoa, such as millipora, are freely associated with the products of true corals. Charles Darwin, in his famous theory of the formation of atolls and barrier reefs, showed how, in a subsiding area, corals might keep pace with the downward movement. Hence reefs might arise of great vertical thickness, although the polyps themselves could flourish only in the upper twenty fathoms or so of water. This conclusion, which appears strictly logical, has met with much opposition from Carl Semper, Alexander Agassiz, and Sir John Murray. Murray, in particular, urges the importance of banks of calcareous organisms in building up platforms on which corals may ultimately dwell. The extension of reefs outward into deep water has been attributed to the rolling down of wave-worn coral debris over submarine mountain slopes. From this point of view, an apparently thick atoll may be formed as a comparatively thin mass of limestone at the summit of a volcanic cone that fails to reach the sea level. The opponents of the view that thick coral limestones are formed at the present day in the Pacific have been unwilling to accept the results even of the deep boring in the atoll of Funafuti which penetrated materials like those of the superficial layers of the reef to a depth of 1,114 feet. They have also refused to see, in the huge dolomitic rocks of Tyrol, the remains of Triassic reefs 4,000 feet in thickness. Nonetheless, most geologists regard the Funafuti boring as a strong support for Darwin's contention, but recent research does not support his view of a fairly uniform subsidence of the oceanic floor. Atolls and barrier reefs 
are now shown to have arisen in very many cases on the seaward edges of rock platforms planed by marine erosion but it must be allowed that the sinking and warping of these platforms has caused reefs to increase considerably in thickness the same problem arises wherever shore deposits have accumulated to an exceptional thickness darwin at the end of chapter five of his structure and distribution of coral reefs gives a vivid account of the features that would appear in a section of an atoll that has grown large through subsidence of its inorganic floor and he emphasizes the occurrence of conglomerates of broken coral rock on the outer zone the stratification of material by wave action in this zone and the horizontal deposition of finer material in the lagoon would give to the dissected mass a general sedimentary aspect darwin concluded that the ring of solid coral the true reef might be denuded away during an epoch of elevation and that only stratified portions might remain he does not seem to have discussed the contemporaneous deposition of pelagic material from foraminiferal and other sources against the outer surface of the reef whereby an interlocking of two facies of limestone might arise these features together with those predicted by darwin have been recognized by von richtofen and mosiskovich in the tyrol dolomites and have afforded austrian geologists good evidence that large parts of these limestones originated as coral reefs faulting however has undoubtedly taken place in this region producing here and there a subsidence of the limestone blocks among the surrounding more normal sediments rothpletz olga v gordon and other critics of von richtofen's view have seen in this faulting the cause of the abrupt change from a facies of massive dolomite to one of normal sedimentation on the same horizontal level they have also urged that shell banks may accumulate locally so as to simulate reefs by their contrast with their surroundings while the change to dolomite has obliterated their original features see page thirty it cannot be denied however that coral reefs and their associated detrital deposits must exercise a very important influence in the formation of solid limestone even small knots and local groups of compound corals are seen in ordinary limestones to serve as a mesh in which other organic remains have been entrapped the ease with which the aragonite of their skeletons becomes silicified causes them often to stand out on weather surfaces with all the delicacy of structure displayed upon a modern reef where limestones and shales are associated together a knoll structure may be found the limestone occurring in masses of a somewhat hemispherical form with the shales fitted against and around them in some cases this may be due to the local distribution of patches of growing coral on the old seafloor but in other cases the structure has arisen from compression and brecciation of the strata the original beds of limestone becoming broken up and the more yielding beds flowing round them this structure is well seen on a small scale in many crush conglomerates where the limestone appears as knots and eyes resembling pebbles yet near at hand the true bedding may be traced bands of limestones alternating with shale and a few cross joints indicating the possibility of a separation of the limestone into blocks these blocks become rounded in the general rock flow but gardner and reynolds suggest solution by infiltering water as an explanation of certain remarkable examples studied by them end of part one of chapter two